Boy, this season of Picard got really dark. We watched Green Room, which means it's time for another Portland at the Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen, if you thought you had seen it all. You can't keep us here, and you gotta let us go. We're not keeping you, you're just staying. Hello and welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workhoven. Joining me as always is Mark Middleton. How are you, Mark? I'm really well, although uh, this movie was a little intense for me. Uh, yes, yes, it was. <laughs> and uh, in the stead of Brian the Unipiper Kid, uh, we have brought in two, uh, two experts in the horror genre, as that's what we've fallen into. Uh, and they are Mike Campbell and Eric Lee from the Scariest Things podcast. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, guys. Yeah, awesome to be here. Yes, I'm very excited, and I'm hoping you guys uh, can bring some extra special insight uh, into this, as it is uh, the genre that you guys uh, uh, cover. So this, For sure. yeah, yeah. So this movie um, uh, came out in 2015, and I. Don't think I'd seen it before. For some reason, I thought um, somebody else was in it, but uh, Patrick Stewart is in this. Uh, mm-hmm. Alia Shawcott from Arrested Development is in, is in this. Anton Yelchin yep. uh, is in so this. Great Anton Yelchin. Yes, yes, and Imogene Poots, who's has I, th- that name, just kind of makes me sad. <laughs> like I, Imogene Heap for a while was the one on top of it, but I was like, oh wow, this one is a little bit worse. Uh, but yes, they're. <laughs> There are a bevy of, 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 of good actors in this, and um, shocking for this podcast, this movie is very, very good. So um, if you are interested in seeing it, it's on, it's on uh, HBO Max, uh, so I suggest that you watch the movie first because this uh, podcast will be full of spoilers, um, but it, it is worth watching. Now, the first thing I notice as we get into this is that this is an A24 film, and I mm-hmm. didn't know they went back that far. Do you guys have any, what is the history of A24? Well, I, I think this, in, in this case, um, originally, I think um, I think A24 has picked up the rights on it. So they're, they're acting oh, okay. as a distributor. I think the producer was Lionsgate. Okay, okay. Um, uh, right. But, uh, you know, I think... A24 is the is the studio to watch. I'm actually uh, interesting that you brought that up. I'm I'm in the process of doing a massive update to our post about the greatest horror studios and sort of breaking down how how they came to be and and what they represent but both, you know, I think A24 recognizes quality. I think everybody knows yep. that. Uh they are the gold standard right now for uh, elevated horror as they yes, which is a, as they call sometimes it sometimes a problematic term uh, <laughs> but it's uh yes that that intelligent uh well-scripted horror uh things like the witch the babadook yeah yeah hereditary 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 uh, to your point a24 it was uh, a24 as a company has only been around since 2012 okay this film is obviously 2015 right so, yeah it was they were still very much in their infancy and they hadn't had sort of that big knockout hit yet when they acquired as Eric pointed out when they acquired this film. Yeah, yeah, it seems like that started happening with them with the Vivich when that one came right. out. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. <laughs> no. a great logo, but I love saying the Vivich. <laughs> <laughs> it is a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, so that's right. So had had <laughs> either of you seen this movie before now? I'm kind of guessing yes. that you might have. Yes. 
Yeah, I saw it when it came to the Hollywood Theater in 2015. A friend of mine, a coworker of mine, uh, who plays in a bunch of metal bands, which is uh, certainly tangential to this story, he said, we got to go see this movie. I've heard nothing but great things about it. We trucked on over to the Hollywood. I was incredibly uh, shook uh, when I saw it in 2015. I watched it again this last week, and my cortisol levels were like <laughs> off the charts. Yeah. I, I have referred to this as all thriller, no filler. Uh, they... All killer, all thriller. All, all <laughs> killer. All, all killer, killer, thriller, yeah. killer, you, you know, all, all the illers. It is a, uh, it, it, I think for, you know, just for, for a sort of, oh gosh, what, what the, the term like the, um, the strangers, it's a, it's not a, it's a, not a home invasion, but it is like, oh, right, right, um, right. Uh, assault on precinct 13. Yeah. Yeah. A, Yes. It is a highly contained environment that is full of peril, and <laughs> I think I think what we will talk about here is the plausibility that makes and the authenticity of everything that unfolds here. You could see this happening, uh, and and it's not there's not a lot of super there's there is no supernatural. This is right. this is really a bad situation of of desperate people running into a really bad gig. Yeah, uh, for in the horror genre, in the horror spectrum, uh, what would we call, Yeah, and, and maybe that's what you were, were just alluding to, yeah. is this isn't a supernatural, this isn't a, no. ooh, that gave me a little jump scare and I, I feel tingly because of it. Not a haunted it. house, yeah, it's, it's not a, a serial killer. I'd call it survival horror. Survival yes. horror, that's yeah, really that's a good one. At the end of the day, yeah. yeah. I mean, no, typically I think when we think about survival horror, we think about, you know, we think about films like The Ritual from Canada, we think about, um, Oh, what's the can the cannibal film, uh, uh, Eric, uh, Ravenous, we think about Ravenous, mm -hmm. we think about- Open kind of Water. Open water that are outdoors, and it's it's man versus the elements versus man versus man in this case. So, so in yeah, that way, I, it's a it's a it is definitely a thriller. I think it it it, it I think it jumps over the line because of how <laughs> visceral it is relative to is it horror or not. I was going to say I this is we, almost we, even a drama. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, oh yeah, it's it's very much a thriller. It yes, is, uh, and. Uh, because of the investment in the characters, I think you can also say it's a drama. Well, and uh, what I kept writing over and over and what was truly shocking about it, and you already mentioned how the how this is this movie is so grounded and so realistic that when there is horror elements like gore, it is visceral and real. They don't like dwell on it like a, a bad slasher film would make a big whatever. But it was just so shocking in its realness that and like at one point I wrote down this movie, <laughs> this movie is sticky and smells bad because it's just like it's it's like not the like the Nazi compound. Yeah, because like in Cabin <laughs> in the Woods, for, yeah. for instance, right. which we did like you're like, OK, this is, you know, a horror movie in a cabin like and it. There's that unreality to this, whereas this one, it's like it could be just a documentary film about how gross this compound is. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know what, uh, the, 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 the film that really, uh, to me, this is a modern version of the river's edge from 1986. The oh, interesting. Film, because it brings a, the realism, b the authenticity and C, like 
uh, a real nod towards uh, an exceptional soundtrack. In that case, mm. the soundtrack was, you know, Armored Saint and Slayer and Battalion of Saints and so forth and so on. This one is, you know, obviously it's it's updated with a modern aesthetic, but with an eye towards sort of Portland hard hardcore. You'll find like there's there's a reference to Toxic Holocaust, there's Poison Idea, there's all that kind of stuff. So to me, it was like, oh, this is this is really uh, this brings a lot of the same stuff to the table that River's Edge brought. But it reminded me when you were just saying um, sort of the nonchalant approach to the violence and how it's just sort of it's very casual the violence is very very casual <laughs> there's no jump scares in this really I, which is right. pretty fascinating it, it, there are so many opportunities to do and you could do a good a decent one even and they just restrain themselves i didn't even think of that no but it but it i think the the horror comes from the natural the the natural progression of everything that's happening you know if i'm going to make a couple of connections and I'm, you know, I'm going to revert back to saying it's a sort of a home invasion like Straw Dogs, the great Dustin Hoffman film from the early 70s. Um, Which he cites, he cites uh, the... Uh, Sonier does? Yeah, the director. I, yeah. I listened to a couple of interviews with him and he cites that as as an influence, as as does uh, yeah. Carpenter as well and Assault on uh, Precinct 13. Those are, those are the two closest analogies. If you If you like... If you like Green Room, if you've seen Green Room and you haven't seen those other two, two movies, they are sort of essential watches. That that it is, it's the pot boiler. Um, you, oh, you, or uh, I guess the 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 Romero zombie movies would be another. Uh, you know, kind of you're you're surrounded <laughs> and it's just there's this crushing load of you can't stop everybody. If one of them gets in, you're dead. You know that right. that that whole sense. Uh, but but in this case, you also get Darcy. You have the the you have the super planner who's involved, yep. uh, which is different than your zombie movies. You don't have you, you got A the high zombie going, but you don't but you don't have the big thinker. And and uh, wow, could they not have gotten a better big thinker than Sir Patrick Stewart? Right? He, <laughs> he, 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 when he shows up, the fact the fact uh, the, uh, the the backstory of. How he shows up with 10 days before they start filming. I was going to, one of my notes was, why is Patrick Stewart in this? I mean, it's good, but like <laughs> he doesn't need, it doesn't seem like he needs the money. So there, there had to be something that, that drew him to this. And so I'm curious about that. What I understand is that uh, Patrick Saulnier, the, the director, he, the, Jeremy. Um, Jeremy, sorry, Patrick is, yeah. might be Sinistate, different, different Saulnier. Um, but they, Patrick Stewart was part of his, um, studio okay and, and he wasn't at, he was looking for new work they sent him the script he loved the script uh within 10 days they got him to come in from england to portland and <laughs> they didn't they didn't have him they didn't suspect that they were going to actually be able to get a talent like patrick stewart no i mean when you're an independent horror film yeah. you're lucky to get what you can get the young folks they they were uh, something i was saying yeah it was easy to cast the young people because they want to be in a smart action horror movie right um but trying to get a thespian of the top rank, you don't you don't bank on that. It's kind of like, hey, we, you know. He, he did say the very, the, I think the first day they were shooting uh, with Patrick Stewart, he thought they were going to be able to schedule him in early on so he wouldn't have to sit around for 12 hours. Everything got backed up. He had to sit, he had, he forced Patrick Stewart <laughs> to sit around for like 12 hours and he went home that night and he's like, I've totally failed as a director. I'm like oh. a human being oh. making this great actor sit around all day. 
Oh, <laughs> what a terrible feeling. <laughs> but it works. It works so it, it, because there's the subtext that is Patrick Stewart is always the smartest man in any movie. The character, the characters he plays, whether it's Captain Picard or whether it's uh, Professor Xavier, he is so well known as being the wise man. Yeah. And when he's when he does the heel turn and he's the bad man and he's a wise man, you know you're up against it. So it was, um, you know, the thing, a... I, the thing I felt found really incredible, Eric, to your point about mm -hmm. him being the wise man, is that if you pay attention to the dialogue and you pay attention to the tonality and the cadence of the Nazis, mm -hmm. it's it's flat. It's it's mumble. There's no raised voices. Yep. They're they speak in codes. So half the time mm -hmm. you're like you're kind of trying to figure out what exactly they're saying and who exactly they're saying we should put a hit out on or or rescind putting a hit out on. Um, whereas the punk band has these sort of like elevated pitches and they're just like incredibly manic. And to me that it finally dawned on to me it dawned on me this past week when I watched it again was that. He's creating this incredible juxtaposition where you're forced to uh, really, uh, you know, put your allegiances over here with real human beings as opposed to these Nazi automatons. Yeah, it was fascinating because, I mean, another another trap that this could have easily fell into, especially with with someone like Patrick Stewart, is that finally at the end there's the explosion of emotion you know in the powerful villain speech or the i'm insane or whatever right. and that he literally just turns and walks away right and yeah like, it was a brilliant ending I, I thought and and i think but it plays to what mike was just saying is that it's um it's very level and and i think you know oftentimes when you get the evil mastermind there's a James Bond villain level cackling uh, that, that that takes place, and instead you have you have somebody who is in control, who has the respect of his minions. The minions are reasonably competent. Yeah. Um, and and it and it really feels it, again when when you talk about the authenticity and how are they going to get out of this when when you know the kids start trying to make the, the break the, the, the band the band scatters they, they break they break a, a a covenant of let's stick together yeah and i think there's like they actually even mentioned hey let's split up great idea it's like oh, God, no don't don't do that yep. but it was you know there was there was a, a moment of every man for your for himself uh and it and you know yeah, as horror movies will prove out time and time again, that's a bad idea. And, and I feel like Every they they use that restraint really well. Uh, that what you were talking about of the the Nazis being restrained and and understated, uh, like when they first break out of the room and they're expecting a full uh, regalia of Nazis on the other side of the door, and and so they like throw a light bulb and, and they're, they're like and they're like, oh, nobody's here. Oh shit! Yes, uh, and so then they like now all of that that energy has to be dealt with, and and so then they're like, uh, uh, "What do we do?" Like, feeds where the oh, panic? Right, it feeds the panic, and and so they're going throughout the building and not finding what they expected to find, and, and they're like, "Well, let's just jump out the window," and that didn't work out. Right. Well, right. well the band has the same expectations as the audience. E exactly. 
Right. Yeah. Well, let's back up a little bit yep. and, and kind of set up, uh, set this up. So this movie is about a a punk band who is on the road. There's four four of them in the punk band, um, and they uh, meet up with a friend. I thought it was in Hood River, but I think it's in Astoria. It, it's in Astoria. It's okay. Astoria. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, a mohawked man that um, is trying to set up a gig for them. The gig falls through, but he has an alternate gig that you have to go way down into Portland. Uh, to get to and so this punk band uh, uh, siphons some gas off uh, off cars and heads down to this compound in the woods in rural Oregon um, Warrenton I'm assuming because that was also thanked at the beginning oh, at the end it. of the movie for sure um, and they they, they, did, they did say that the I, I don't know the, the film location was like super vague but they yeah. did say that it was filmed Mount Hood uh uh, Oregon, which is they did not, take some shots of Mount Hood. It's, it's a national forest. Uh, it's right. not a not a city, uh, but um, yeah, I was thinking like Estacada. Yeah, it looks. Yeah, it. it, it uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of those places that looks like every tw- every twenty miles there's a place in Oregon that looks yeah, like right, that right. where you're like I'm going to stay away from that. Yeah. Um, but, there were no shots of Portland. No. Uh, no. I, I, and, and but it was mentioned uh, like they're going yep. to Portland. I know that's usually yeah. the, there's usually uh, in Portland at the movies they either pretend it's somewhere else, it is a nondescript city, or very rarely they say we're going to Portland. And this time they had the <laughs> that's what they did this time. They yeah, the, the gigs in Portland. I right. I would have given my left arm if they actually had filmed this in Boring. <laughs> <laughs> so they get to the compound. They set up their um. They uh, put their stuff in the, and this is when I felt really stupid because I had had known of this movie a long time. I'd never seen it. For some reason, I thought J.K. Simmons was in it, but maybe I think oh. it came around the same time as Whiplash, and so they just got combined in my head. <laughs> um, Phenomenal bald act- actors. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, like, uh, this is a horror movie. There's going to be, like, a spooky green room. And then I realized when the band got there, I'm like, Oh, oh, it's a green room, green like room. a green room where the band puts their stuff. Right, <laughs> it's yes. just a literal green room. I've actually been, I, I got my first green room experience recently at the Hollywood Theater. Ooh, uh, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. Tell us about that. And uh, you know, green rooms aren't all they're made up to be. They are no. gross. <laughs> they, they look kind of like what they do in this movie. They're it's where the band hangs out, or the and, and it's filled with boxes and and graffiti and posters and. Um, and snacks. Yeah, and that's, but I, it's, Eric, I was afraid you were going to say you had your first Nazi experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. Yeah, you know, the Hollywood Theater and all that. Uh, yes, because it turns the out this great. this compound that they are dropped off at is a Nazi training or gathering place or whatever. But yes, it is all it is all neo Nazi. Yeah, yep. to listen to their punk their punk music and. Um, so they are they are the punk band, which I thought it was pretty great. The first song that are our what is the name of their band? The Ain't Rights. Ain't Rights. Although they actually get billed as the Aren't Rights, and right, they went, right. Come on. <laughs> I kept I I and I didn't rewind or turn closed caption on. I was like, what are they saying that their name <laughs> made no sense to me? That's a terrible band name. I do have later for at the end of the show. I did write down a bunch of the bands that appear in the soundtrack and there's nothing I love more than, than death metal and, and hardcore <laughs> punk band names. So I'm very excited <laughs> to, to get to that list. Well, I, I did find it interesting when they, when they go leave uh, Tad, the, the, the Mohawk guy and they, they say, go meet my, my cousin. Um, 
and they go, hey, they're not burning crosses or anything, right? Like, just play your early Yeah, stuff. he's like, don't talk politics, out. just just play your music. Talk, yeah. And so play like, your old stuff, not... <laughs> right, because <laughs> those Nazis, they did, they're going to dig that old stuff, whatever that is. <laughs> right. so, but you get 350 bucks. And, and, and I think a key, key point here is that they are desperate. They are right. they are at the point where they're sucking gas out of out and they, of yeah they just cars. paid a, they just paid a played a gig at a Mexican restaurant where they got <laughs> what did he say six dollars six dollars yeah well it's fifty eight cents hearing <laughs> them play their their thrash death punk or whatever in that diner was so great at the beginning that was awesome it was so funny but and, it, it, and plausible you know, I think one of the things that you know I think Mike is a uh, died in the wool punk uh, fan and one of the the hard things to rectify i think sometimes with punk rock is its association with you know so because it's anarchistic and that the skinhead sort of uh picked up on it and clearly these the the ain't rights aren't they're not nazis they're not they're right so they're much just, so they're, that they're, the the first song that they launch into was called um nazi punks fuck off which i learned i today the, i learned which kennedy's. was by a dead kennedy song because yeah, yeah at the yeah. end he's like that was a cover <laughs> so, yeah, so that, that was pretty that, great that dynamic between punk culture and and the the skinheads who have who have absconded their culture is always i've found fascinating yeah that is really interesting because there is in a mental a mental over overlap in that venn diagram that is probably punks do not like um so yeah they they play their their set um and then they go back to the titular green room and they pack up their stuff and they're headed at the and all this time the the people from the compound there's like the kind of the people in charge and they're like we we've said they're very calm and they're very get your stuff here's a thing play your thing very professional get, yeah very professional very low key very we we've got we're we've got this in tip top shape and don't, so they're don't leave your stuff in the hallway it's going to be a fire hazard the, yeah the owner right, right. really doesn't yeah. like fire hazards and yeah. that comes back to what this movie does too really well is set things up in a way that doesn't feel like it's setting it up for a payoff or a reference later. And this movie is constantly doing that from the fire hazard thing. There's a, they have an insert shot in one of the tussles when they're stuck in the green room where it shows them kind of somebody accidentally kicked the little vent at the bottom of the door so that it bends. And I was like, well, you didn't need like we yeah. we would all believe that you can see through slats whether or not you set that up, but it right. none of it feels like a setup. And there are so many setups and callbacks in this. It, well, and when they were talking with the Mohawk guy, Mohawk guy from um, Astoria, who yeah. was also a a punk journalist and was interviewing mm. him, and oh. they set up, oh, you guys are only release on vinyl, which is pretty great, um, and you have no <laughs> social media presence. Blah blah blah. So it sets up that nobody yeah. nobody knows where these people are. Nobody is expecting them. Nobody can get a hold of them because they're not into all of that. And it just does such a great job at setting things like that up. Well, I, I think I think that's a function, frankly, of of uh, 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 Jeremy uh, Saulnier's, um Yeah. So you you guys have, seem to have for, a familiarity with with him. So can you talk a little bit more about? Because I'm not familiar. Yeah, for sure. Well, so I mean, what I know is that he was, you know, like uh, you know, many people of a certain age, you know, raised on a steady diet of skateboarding and punk rock, and that's what. He was he was a skateboard kid in the 1980s. Uh, he was he you know self-proclaimed as you know pretty talented. So it enabled him to hang around with the older kids, 
getting him exposed to more and more punk rock. He was in a hardcore band. Uh, he said, you know, he did a bunch of work in punk uh, uh, with other punk bands, doing punk videos. And, you know, so a lot of this really was this collective fusion of, you know, punk, hardcore, zombie films, home videos, kind of mishmashed uh, together. But it's, it's, you know, I, frankly, I think it's a love letter to his, his upbringing. And I'm pretty sure he was raised in uh, the D.C. area. But he clearly knows his stuff. I think he clearly knows the, the the language of hardcore. I think he knows the language of, you know, sadly, the language of, as you guys pointed out, there is this unfortunate Venn diagram that involves, you know, Nazis being part of the hardcore movement. But he he understands that language and understands who those people are and why they show up at these shows. Well, and that and, part, uh, as someone who, I mean, I only tangentially know things about punk just from sure, what sure. I've absorbed from culture. And this felt very much like you said that this was someone who knows like it didn't feel like me writing a scene about punk rock where I, you know, window dressings that I sort of know. this like felt so real to what it was. And so to to have that too, just added to that realism and that immersion and that griminess because it was so it was so real. Like the yep. attendees, uh, they weren't caricatures, right? They, no. they were they, they, they were fans. And in fact, they weren't all in on the evil, right? Because yep. eventually it's like, bring the red laces in, right? <clears throat> right, because right. It's like everybody else goes home and actually that Darcy gets up on stage going, I'm sorry, everybody, we blew a transformer. We'll make it up to you. Why don't you go all go home? We'll, 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 we'll do another gig next week so that they could control control the environment and not involve people who were drinks who are on us in. for two hours well and the fact that nobody like the, the whole crowd didn't attack them when they sang nazi punks fuck off because i'm like oh they're gonna straight up like be bludgeoned to death by this crowd but that, there's only that was really creepy yeah really creepy. because yeah. you didn't know like, oh we'll, we'll just let you yeah we'll let you hang out and continue on yeah. with your set even though you've played the song I thought the other thing that was really creepy, Eric, to your point where you're talking about how he, he gets up on stage, was what he closes with was, this is not a party, this is a movement. Yes. That to me, I was like, that's that's damn right, just chilling right there. Yeah. Yep. And during that, um, when they were singing the, the anti-Nazi song there, we see one of the guys from the crowd with, with kind of bigger sideburns and, and um, he walks... Worm. 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 It took me a long time to remember that was Worm because they yeah. they started referencing yeah. Worm in the third act, and I'm like, who? Bad news, that Worm. That, that, <laughs> yes. And so Worm gets very upset uh, upset at the anti Nazi sentiment, and so is storming out and glares at the at the lead singer, and then has a mouthful of beer that he <laughs> sprays out. Right. And there's like full on just two people standing in front of him, and I felt so bad for those two extras that had to stand there all day long and have Worm spit in between their heads whatever they were having him spit for 27 <laughs> takes. Exactly, a David Fincher amount of takes where there's like there's 70 hours. Well, you know what's funny is if you uh, speaking of beer, if you go down and there's there's this great also sort of related to the whole hardcore ethos. There's this great sort of thank you list in the credits, which is, I, it's kind of amazing. That like list it, is a roller coaster. Like the liner notes of a hardcore album, you know, where they're thanking all these people that you have no idea who they're referring to. But I thought it was really funny was right next to Oregon State Parks was <laughs> next. Next up was Paps Blue Ribbon. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Warren's> right. Favorite. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that 
thanks list was I mean it was so delightful because it was yeah nothing but like hardcore punk bands and then like the city of Milwaukee <laughs> right, right. and then they also had something called Slade in Oregon and yeah do, what is that do you I, know I'm not sure okay I'm not sure I was fascinated with the other thing the other thing I was fascinated with was that they don't think Hot Lips Pizza uh, you know longtime Portland yeah. pizza establishment they think they think Hot Lips Soda which is a Hot Lips Pizza. I Nevada. saw that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the like blue and they also soda. Think, they also think Fred Armisen, which I was thinking, oh, hey. it must have been the fact that they were filming Portlandia at the exact same time. I noted that too. And one other thing, where well, there's a couple of the, two more things about the the special things. Tim Williams, who is the um, uh, the head of the uh, Oregon Film, right. uh, was mentioned in that. And then so it was like, yeah, blah, 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 city, Portland. And then it just said the Black Dahlia murder. And I was like, are they just thanking the murder? The Black Dahlia <laughs> murder? Is that the That's name like a, of right, something right, else? Right. It wasn't like in quotes or it wasn't like a play yeah, yeah. on it. I was like, all right, they're just fans. Inspiration. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so they, yeah, the, the band finishes up their thing, goes back to the green room, starts heading out or getting ushered out of the building back to their, their van. And Aliyah Shawcott uh, forgets her cell phone. Forgot my Same. cell phone. I'll go, I'll go back and get it. And so, um, um, is it uh, so close to getting out? So close. So, yeah, close. they were like at the door, and so um, what's his? Was it Anton Yelchin that turns back? Yeah, um, yep. turns back, grabs grabs the phone and the charger, and looks up into the green room, and there is a couple people sitting there and a dead body on the floor, and yep. this is kind of where everything a knife yeah, sticking out of a her. knife sticking out of her her head. Um, and we had seen um, this girl and the other girl that is in the there's a black haired girl and a blonde haired girl. And we saw them in the crowd shot um, uh, right. during one of the sets. Um, and so now that Anton Yelchin has seen this body, this is when everything starts going to shit. They usher the band back into the green room, shut the door and they're in there with um, Big Justin. Yep. Yeah. Which one? I, I have trouble with names in this one. Which one's oh, Justin? He was the. He's the big guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, the, the thug, Nazi the bodyguard Nazi. guy. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And he's got a gun and he's one of those gun people that say, it's not a car. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's, it's not, not a, a bullet. bullet. It's, it's a, a cartridge. cartridge. Yeah. It's not sure. called <laughs> what, an assault rifle or whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so now they are trapped in here as as everyone is trying kind of panicking on both sides of the door, trying to figure out how to rectify the situation. And so the, the bulk of the, the rest of this movie is them stuck in this green room looking. And that's a, another thing like the of course, the horror movie trope is like everybody makes terrible decisions that you're <laughs> like, this isn't. But everything that everyone does on both sides is like a super reasonable response to what's going on. Nobody's making terrible decisions or like falling down or like, you know, right. any of these things. And that just adds to the, just the grossness of this because you feel trapped there with them and like, Oh, that was your idea. Check, check <laughs> to see if there's a, this or that. Or, right. And, and so yeah. they're, they're playing, playing chess against each other and not knowing uh, what move they're, they're making themselves and, and what right. the other, other side is making and how fast and it's like playing tic-tac-toe when you can't see where the other person is putting their x's or zeros and yep. you're just sort of guessing <laughs> right. guessing well, i think the, the the audience is put into a situation where you're guessing right along with the band yep. right because yep. you, you you you're from their perspective and you're going don't open that door don't <laughs> negotiate but at the same time they don't have many choices and their leverage is limited to 
we've got Ju big Justin in a headlock, but you also figure that this, you're not sure if, if the group is going to just say, well, sorry, big Justin. Right. You know, we're just going to open up with like 20 shotguns and you know, you guys, it's like, we're going to clean the room. Right. Right. Um, and Eric, that, and I, Eric and I talk a lot about, uh, you know, what's, what's the thing that draws you to the horror and, you know, for me to the big check to, to the big things on the checklist item are you, you're, you're trapped in a place you can't get out of. And can you put yourself, can you put yourself in that exact same situation? This has that yeah. in spades. Yes. And my Eric's rule number one is, do I care uh, about what's going to happen to the protagonists? Yes. You don't care, like, like your average Rob Zombie movie, you don't care about what happens to the protagonist. You laugh when they get killed. This, in this case, you know the ain't rights shouldn't be in this situation. They're not bad. They're 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 not bad people, right. and they just they're they're victims of a terrible circumstance. And you you they're they're outnumbered. They're in a strange. They're they're trapped. And this was and, and that's your white knuckle moment, right? That's what you you're you're sweating it out for them. Uh, and when Pat. Put, puts the gun over, just like throw the gun out. Oh, don't stick your arm. Th oh no, <laughs> because well, and yeah, and and when this when I the moment I felt unsafe in this movie because usually <sighs> movies, I mean, of any kind, but especially in, in in horror, you can kind of see where it's going. You can see the things added up, and there was a moment where um, so. They call one of their. I think there's there were two thugs in a room, and one of them gets called out or whatever. And um, oh, it was um, the spitter guy. What was his name again? Worm. 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 Yes, worm. He's the killer. Worm. Yeah, he ended up, and we'll get into that a little bit later too. But he goes past Anton Yelchin and goes and um, kind of stops. And this is as we're all wrestling with like we're just yeah. seeing the dead body. We're all putting the pieces together. And Worm goes, what was the name of that? The second from the last song. And Anton Yelchin oh, says, yeah. you know, whatever. And, and Worm goes, that was effing hard. And like in today's movie language, especially in the Mar after so many Marvel movies, that's the moment where they deflate it with like a terrible little. Like, oh, that was great, you know, whatever. And I was and, and I was like, oh, that's dumb. But then Worm goes, that was effing hard. That's the one I did her to. Like, that's that's the yeah. music I was killing this woman for. And it was so chilling and such a, oh, this tension is not being deflated. It is no. like, again, it's that's a yeah. realistic moment where in so many movies they let you off the hook with that unrealistic like quippy banter or whatever or yeah, aside right. or whatever and I was like oh nobody is <laughs> none of us are safe here <laughs> there's there's no there's no humor uh, calming elements from uh, the after the after they arrive at at the the lodge or or at the at the yeah uh, uh, and so much so, I mean, things are so kind of dampened that it is just that dread of like, of course, I know this is a horror movie, so things are going wrong. <laughs> but that dread of I'm at this compound with these punks or Nazis or are they both or are they all or like something bad is going to happen and you're just waiting. And then the lights go out and then the <laughs> lights go out. <laughs> yeah. So they, they cut power. I don't really know why the power came back uh, i don't know why like, it went off like was that a purposeful thing that, or a i think that was part of the master strategy that darcy right. wanted to be able to to evacuate because it the happened twice say, yeah yeah i i think that that they probably there was probably a scare tactic one 
and then and then two we need to get everybody else out of the building so we can kill these kids right oh was, right right right. so so the power went off and they used that as the excuse for hey we blew a break we're sending you gotta uh, go home yeah you gotta go right. uh, yeah that's right yeah yeah, yeah no yeah. more concerts yeah. sorry guys yeah we're sending the dogs in yeah totally yeah. Um, there was a point where um, so things kind of escalate, blah, blah, blah. Um, the guy who's who Gabe, I think, is the name of the kind of the main thug that's kind of running the show, realizes that he's mm-hmm. kind of in over his head. So he calls in Patrick Stewart. And so Patrick Stewart right. is coming in and we're trying to do things. And at one point, somebody gives or Patrick Stewart gives these little they look like the little um, desiccant things you find in packages to like suck up moisture, like the do not eat the silica gel or whatever. Oh, right, right, There's right, these little right. packets that they gave him and then he handed it out to somebody else. What was that? Does anyone else remember that? Oh, it was crystal meth. Oh, yeah. oh, it came in such yeah. a nice little baggie. <laughs> they were like uh-huh. labeled and everything. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah, what are yeah. these? Are these? Yeah, they were all they hotel were all mints. Like, they were all cranked up and high as a kite, I think. Okay. Right okay. And they well, they also... They make a they make a, a reference to that at the very tail end where uh, Worm, sorry for those of you who uh, want Worm to die, he doesn't die. Uh, at the very tail end of the film, is sitting next to a guy in a chair who's just shot up with uh, right. something. Okay. Uh, oh, I wonder. What was that one of, it was the, the guitarist for the uh, the right, 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 right. cow catchers. The, yeah, Cowcatcher, the the, <laughs> the the opening act, uh, the headliner, and there was oh, a whole headliner. basement full of heroin. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so they're probably shooting up heroin. Okay. Sure, yeah, I didn't put any of that together. Uh, oh, okay. I, I lost my train of thought. Go ahead. Okay. okay. Yeah. So they're they're <laughs> stuck in this room. They're they're um, try, when the when the lights were out, one of the one of the band members saw sees like light through the floor, and so they're they break through the floor and notice that there's this whole like laboratory looking set up with a bunch of money and stuff like that in the basement, but there's still no way out. The, the, the way out there is also padlocked, so it's not really a, a, um, an escape for them. Um, and at one point, they're negotiating with Patrick Stewart outside the door, like, give us the gun without the bullet, blah, blah, blah. And so Anton Yelchin, they move the couch away from the door and they open the door. And that was the other part when they, when he opens the door and, and gives him the gun and somebody grabs him. Is that what happened? Yeah. We're still only seeing our side of the door, which makes it so much worse because and he's screaming and he's screaming. And then there's all this chaos and he brings back his arm. And at first I thought it was a dog, but somebody must've had a machete and his box cutter. Oh, Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah, somebody had been grabbing his arm and just like slicing it up with the box cutter, and he pulls it back, and is like his hand is, is hanging open. off. And and just, oh god, it oh, was, was so gnarly. It's so it, shocking. It also, but it was a point of departure for me too that he was able to function after that, after yeah. having his hand almost severed from his arm. I thought it was, it was like, such a genius idea when the guy grabbed duct tape and like duct yeah, tape. Yeah, no, that totally. was like, oh, that's, that's a great idea. Brody's best friend. But he right? went, yep. he went up and down that ladder a couple times. <laughs> yeah. and he did fall right. once. It was uh, fine. Uh, just, operating I, I a shotgun. He was operating off of uh, uh, adrenaline. Amount of adrenaline. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 I, I got a splinter in my foot two nights ago. Pretty much debilitated me. I've been operating on adrenaline ever since. Nearly severed off. There was tears. So, you were in a ball. I was like, oh my god, this is so bad. <laughs> Screaming, why? Nazis everywhere. Um, but yeah, during right. that tussle, they they overtake um, the the thug that's inside the room. Uh, one of the one of the band members puts him in a in a ch- in one of those taekwondo leg chokeholds. Yep. 
Um, and then they end up uh, killing that guy. And to make sure that he's dead, Imogene Poots, who is, who is the blonde punk girl, has the box, cut, box cutter and just slices open his belly. How do we know that he's fully fully dead how do we know she's just like well that was shot that was really shocking and you can see all of the the punk band they looked at her like holy shit hell is like we thought this we thought our situation was bad and you've really (laughs) amped it up yeah so because she she was in there um as part so she witnessed the murder that happened before kind of the band got involved right and like i said we'd seen her in the but we still don't know and like the the band still doesn't trust her because right. they walked in on right. all this and don't know what's going on. So they're, yeah, she's trying and, and she never turns bad. Like, and that surprised me, honestly, I, I was expecting her to some double cross sort of or something or, or something like, like yeah. that. Now yeah. she's got the, the box inside. cutter. Yeah. And she's on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Because but, I, I yeah, do, I do felt there should have maybe been a little more recognition between her and Patrick Stewart, because it seemed like Imogene Poot was like a regular there and knew everything about it. And, and yeah, um, but what was truly, I think, the most horrifying part of this movie was her haircut. <laughs> <laughs> was so, I mean, it's so authentically punk and terrible yeah. all at once. And there's, there's a point yeah. because um, Anton Yeltsin, too, has like the world's worst toupee on. And right, at right. some point, we, as we enter the third act victory, he takes the time during all this to shave off all his hair, which I thought was an interesting decision. Uh, Anton Yelchin did. And then you see like he's his receding hairline goes like back to here. But the rest of the movie, right. he's had like all of this thick, lush <laughs> hair. And so when he shaved his head, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Punk girl is going to shave off her head, too, because she'll look awesome without that terrible. Hair. No, that does not happen. Salonier did. And one of the articles I was reading did say that the inspiration for shaving the head off and doing the tribal face paint uh, to sort of just go full gonzo against the Nazis in the third act. He said, really, so the, so the sort of the, the, the pep talk he gives to the remaining uh, folks uh, really was a true pep talk, and it was a true story. And he the said paintball. he actually experienced this with some friends where one of his buddies was just like, fuck it. I'm, uh, if, if we're going to beat these Marines, I'm just going to have to go full gonzo and just charge straight at them. Yeah, berserker and, mode. And wow. Because, yeah, 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 that's a, another thing they do is um, kind of when they're all of this is dawning on them. And then I think it's just right after this, they're sitting down and, and Anton Yelchin starts telling the story about, oh, we were playing. We like to play paintball, but all these former Marines came in and, and were just killing everyone. And we were the only two left and we were cowering and we just and so his story gets cut off before the inspirational part or whatever. And everyone gets distracted. And then later when it is just him and Imogene Poots left, there's only two of them left. She's like, oh, I need I, tell me the rest of that inspirational story because I need to hear it. And he's like, oh, it doesn't apply anymore. And it like it 100 percent more applies <laughs> now more. <laughs> so I was like, what? And even she. So he's like, I don't think it applies. And she's like, oh, it. It totally what, what are you talking? It and, totally applies. And I think he had given up at that point. Okay. Like, and yeah. so he was he's like, beyond. we're we're just waiting to die. Yeah, and, and she had to coax it out of him. Yeah, yeah, okay. and she did. And they're like, oh, this is this is our plan now. This is all we got. Yeah, just go balls yeah. out until everyone's dead. Yeah, I I don't know if the rest of you guys were able to piece this together. I think you know. If I'm looking back at this movie, I'd say it's almost perfect. Um, but but where where I get held up is. 
uh, the red herring of the death of Emily, who's the girl who gets who, who dies. There's there's like this kind of this romantic we're leaving the compound kind of a thing, but it it seems like I couldn't figure out why they would go to the, this level of desperation to, to to have her get killed or whether there was some jealousy involved or whether you know what because it really in the end it doesn't matter they had spotted a murder that happened in the compound but they they try a lot of things to try and knit it into the fabric of the story i couldn't really and 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 up till now i really don't understand i was going to say cuz there's a point where where the punk girl is like oh so this is what's happening she saw the de- one of the other regulars of the club and her f- girlfriend were going to secretly run away together and i was like okay i get that but yeah again like why is that a compound wide threat well, I think she was running away with daniel she was running away uh, with oh and she was worm's girlfriend or not yeah. is that and that's why and worm so then, and he found and he found out right. sort of the jealous fit he killed her right but you know, at a, at a certain yeah. point, why is it so important to protect Worm? And it's like we're going to kill off these this up uh, this band these these four these four folks rather than turn Worm in for killing. You know, it's like okay, yeah, because it's like we're going to well, keep it quiet, and it's just sort of. The... I, I think I think Eric, you just answered your own your own question though. Is is if they get if the police come and start sniffing around, this right. whole compound quickly falls apart. I mean, I I grew up. Uh, in eastern Washington under the shadow of, you know, Reverend Butler and the neo-Nazi compound in Hayden Lake, Idaho. And, you know, I I, I saw skinhead activity, you know, growing up Mm -hmm. through my through my teens and college years in in eastern Washington and certainly in in Portland, Oregon. And so uh, I always reflect back on that. And I mean, that's ultimately, you know, kind of the undoing of, you know, Reverend Butler's compound was it didn't take much you know, for law enforcement to, to crack down on them. And it didn't take much for law enforcement to want to crack down on them because yeah. they're just, you know, a bunch of complete scum. Well, and at, and so at first there is... That's why I think they were extra protect, protective and extra secretive. Yeah. Well, they, they had, you know, the drug enterprise to protect, but they also... Right. But they were clever enough where they, they staged up the fake stabbing with the two young punks. It's like, hey, listen, let's get a couple of real true loyalists. Yeah. You know, if we give them enough, enough of the crystal crystal meth, that right. they'll 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 go to jail for us and they'll, and it'll paper over this thing. I think they probably you know if had they been thinking it through, they didn't. I think part of it was that they didn't have enough time to think it through properly. Yeah. And 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 so it snowballed on their end too. And maybe that's the answer is is in, in retrospect that that they were in as desperate condition as the ain't rights. So they're yeah. both they're both they're both struggling with the situation and uh, despite their. You know, well, like, and well, they and the easiest thing is let's kill these kids. And both sides kept accidentally making things worse. Like at first, that Gabe character before he calls Patrick Stewart is just trying to let's get this done, let's get it over with. And, and so I think it was just all of these tiny steps just added up until you're like, oh well, now we can't like now we can't let them go, or now we have to kill them, or death, we have to bring death of a hundred cuts of a box cutter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so there are we get to the point where. Um, there's also a running theme, which we'll bring back at the very end of this punk band. Um, one of the questions that they were asked during the interview with the Mohawk guy was like, what is your desert island band or whatever? And so throughout I the movie, that. they're all kind of like, oh, this is mine and this is mine. And I loved right. 
the, what won me back Just to finished. Punk Girl was that she said Madonna and Slayer, and I was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> finally people realize Madonna is more punk than punk. <laughs> so I I liked her after that, and then they so they. The other thing about this movie, we keep talking about how just like real and visceral and whatever it is. So the the group kind of gets out of the room and is looking around this compound and it's all dark or whatever. And then out of the darkness, dogs get unleashed on them. And like Alia Shakot, who like I think we're all Vivian Lee style programmed to think is going to be the star of or last this movie. Right. She's got a very recognizable. I was convinced she was going to yeah. be the final Sam, girl. Me too. Sam, which, yeah. yeah, I was there. And Not she the dies girl. just, and it's so unceremonious. All of these Truly deaths, shot. there's like, it's, no, we no, can't. No, she, she's got dog, yeah, that's right. She gets yeah. dog attack. Yeah, yeah, she gets, she gets the, her throat torn out. We see it a little bit, but it's like, and, but then something else happens and we're like, well, we don't have time for that anymore. Like in real right. life, we yeah. wouldn't. It's like, and they walk out of the door at some point. There's three of them, Anton Yelcha and the punk. And then, Oh, just Aaliyah Shawcott, the, the 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 cousin who's who's who comes to help him yep. out. He turns turns out that he's actually because you know when he finds because that was the he's sort of the sleeper agent, not a bad guy. They were gonna leave, kind of. I don't yeah. know. It's all. I mean, it, 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 and again, it's not everything because as the audience, and again, we're talking about this hindsight when you're experiencing the movie. You're going, I, what, this guy, can you trust him? I don't know. And, but you don't have enough time to figure that out because he doesn't last that long either. And, and that was when the, when the, uh, after the dog attacks her and then the dog, uh, the dog is no longer of use and the dog wanders off. And I was like, oh, it started, you know, they were obviously trying to pull up, pull up my heartstrings. And it was something of a red herring because I kept going, oh, the, the poor Nazi dog is just wandering around the forest. <laughs> And then in one of the final scenes, the Nazi dog goes back to its owner and puts his head on the owner's shoulder. And I was like, like fuck that dog. That was totally. <laughs> well, at the same time, but I went, but I actually I was like, Aw. I felt for that dog. I mean, it was one I of those things. I felt for him until he went back to his owner. I thought, I like, I, screw that dog. Because they kept showing that dog walking down the road after it ran off, which is another great thing. And I was 100% certain that dog was going to get Gabe. Because Gabe is wandering around yeah. the forest on his own, so I thought that's I, well, how Gabe I, was going to get his. Well. Yep. Um, yep, yep. But yeah, people. I mean, that that one guy too. When they they kind of break out of the room for a little bit, and he's like, "I'm just going to grab this thing," and like his head gets blown off, and like, right. "Well, that's the yeah. end of that guy." And like, "Well, well now," he says, "Well, the, I, I think that he left a an escape plan hanging." Yeah, because I know where all the guns saying, are. They're right over. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and. And uh, that was sort of an unceremonious body drop, and that and there were a lot of them. I think that that we lose most of the band very quickly without much. You know, it's it's like did we just nope they're dead. Yeah, and well, yeah, and there's we and we talked earlier about as this relates to the world of horror. There's not really any jump scares, but there are two shocking moments. One is um, uh, uh, what you just described, Mark, when he gets shot in the side of the head because you're like, oh my god, that yeah. came out of nowhere. And then the other. Obviously, um, uh, Todd is when you you mentioned uh, when she gets eaten by the dog because you're thinking well, there's oh, two of them she, get she, eaten by dogs. Yeah, she's yeah. gonna she's gonna make it to the very end. But those two, they weren't jump scares per se, but they were definitely like well, they, they were shock moments. Jump scare. Yeah, yeah. And when they after um, when there's three of them that break out and and yeah, like right away one of them gets shot 
and then that's it. And I, I felt the other two ran away a little, fa- a little too fast. They didn't do that. They're like, oh, let's try to drag her in because she wasn't dead or whatever. They were just like, yoinks, right. and like back into the building, which yeah. I guess is also yeah. what you would do. You wouldn't try to yep. be this hero to drag the body away from all the no you would shit your pants and run away (laughs) and that's what they did i had actually been thinking that that pat the the anton yelchin character once he got his arm carved up it's like wow i didn't think they were going to off him that quick he makes it and it was like the the strong guy uh, joe cole who plays reese who was the drummer who was also the guy who, who proved to be so strong that he could he could disable big justin yep he gets he gets the unceremonious first one out of a hatch and take a shotgun. Right. It's like, (laughs) right, man, (laughs) it's it's like, no, no, no grand exit. It's just like, boom, I made it gone. Bang. (laughs) And yeah, and that just, I mean, that, that adds to the scariness so much because there is no formula. There is no, Oh, those two camp counselors slept together and now Jason's going to get him or like they broke this rule. It's Mm. like, no, he just Mm. happened to be, standing in front of the the gun going off and now he's dead and now we have to move on. So we end up um, with just uh, Anton Yelchin and Imogen Poots uh, left. They are, uh, they, we finally get the end of the paintball story of like, we just went balls out and we just ran out. Um, they figured out, Oh, that's when the dog ran away. They, the, they get lure, they lure the what I thought was Patrick Stewart shows some not very great leadership. And that was when everything seems wrapped up because there's only two of them left. And he sends two of his henchmen and the henchman's like, I only got three bullets. And Patrick Stewart's like, well, then you have one too many or whatever he said. I'm like, you'll have an extra. It's like we just right. the last hour and a half. Everything has gone wrong that should have gone right. Give him more bullets. Like what? What are we doing? Let's or at least hang around until until the job is done. Have a cigarette. Listen to a podcast. Right. Wait until he comes back. Confirm it. Yeah. At, at the point that those the two lackeys get sent in, you go, all right, our our heroes are going to get out of this somehow because those guys are they, they're going to they're they're ill equipped. Yeah. To, to, to do the real harm, particularly when the dogs when the dogs take off because the brilliant. Actually, I I thought that the 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 audio feedback to scare the dogs off that was super cool. It was a terrific move. Yeah. I think yeah, that yeah, was it's yeah. like because it's like you realize those things are so it's like these are big, trained, unstoppable attack dogs. Yeah, and yep. and you're you're going how do you do? It? It's like oh, okay. there was that one point where I think it was I forget what happened, but the dog went out to its owner, and the owner like is standing by Patrick Stewart. They're kind of all outside trying to figure out what to do. And the owner implies that, he, well, he gave a, a, <clears throat> shot a shot to the dog and said, he'll be dead in an hour, but like to honor him, make sure he has meat in his mouth. And I'm like, and the whole time these guys have been covering their tracks. They've been telling their thugs, don't use bullets because they'll trace the gun, right, blah, right, blah, right. blah. And so I was like, well, is he covering their tracks so much that he's, killing the dog like we can't even have the dog witness uh, left alive for this and i couldn't figure out why he would kill those dogs well yeah because well he had two right yeah and and one of them was took it because uh sam in her in her dying moments shot the dog with the shotgun right right and uh you know before she got dispatched by said dog 
Um, that's yeah, the, the, one. The, the only thing I could I could think of was that I know with like certain dogs with certain certain breeds if they if they do get a taste for human flesh if they do uh, go totally off the rails then there's there's no rehabilitating them there's no bringing them back that's the only thing I could think mm, of that could that be they were maybe 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 making allusion to develops the taste for flesh yes yeah. um, a, man. That's horror right there. <laughs> so yeah, so the two the two left the two thugs go to get the two left in the room, and there's um, some fighting, and they they go into the either the lower basement, and and the the punk girl does a really great job of, of tricking tricking the guy with the bullets to get rid of all his bullets, and then there's a struggle with um, the thug and Anton Yelchin, and they're on the floor. And the punk girl come jumps down into that basement and simply like meanders up to them. Like there is no she was so casual about going up there and like shooting the guy. And there's like a for real struggle with a shotgun. shotgun. And she's like, oh, fanning her nails. Or whatever. I'm like, <laughs> just hurry a little bit. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard because it really that, took me out. But of that it. was another point of departure for me when I realized that Pat was struggling with the shotguns like he's he's only got half an arm that's yeah. working yeah. And it's his like, arm is literally duct taped to his body that was the bad guy who would be just going poke 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 yeah. right, 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 right. <laughs> just flicking it stop <laughs> but you know that's that's a uh you know uh, nitpicking i i thought yeah. that that sequence was you do have to suspend a little bit of disbelief. <laughs> super intense put it in yeah put it yeah. in the uh uh the uh yeah put it in the yeah just he was he yeah. was hyped up i was cheering <laughs> I, I thought i thought that was great so. yeah so that was great and so they finally get away from the compound with the help of gabe who the whole time has been like the right man the right hand man of patrick stewart but then all of a sudden at the end is good and they all escape together and i couldn't figure out that character turn so like two-thirds through the movie he says well i'm i'm the traitor and if they didn't know now uh, if they didn't know before this they know now uh, no, 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 was... we're talking about we're talking about the man the the manager who's the yeah, guy in the trailer yeah. who's with the shaved uh, head yeah uh but i think my impression was from the very beginning he was just he, he was the money man he's not yeah. And he he might be a true believer, but he's not one of the hard boys, right? He's he is definitely he softer. S, he did have an SS tattoo on his. Chest. Well, and he graduated to getting to red the red <laughs> laces. He got the red 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 before. Yeah, but that was that was a I think was that a kind of motivational thing from yeah. Darcy to get him to 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 Go to man up, up and 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 Go get hard bodies. to to get to, to to be the guy who's gonna gonna go in and and finish the job but i don't think he was cut out for it i i did yeah. that was that was one of the the thing i i liked about the character was that not all of the skinheads were at the same level of dedication right yeah. right well uh, and I, I, think, think, I think that speaks volumes to the move to yes. that that particular movement too about how mercurial it is and how those allegiances are not really tight because it's so extremist in nature. And uh, Solonier was, he was also talking about this in that he was reflecting back because when he made this film, this was very much an underground thing. And the language that they were trafficking in was very underground. Well, fast forward, I think he did the interview in like 2018, 2019, just fast forward four years 
that language is all of a sudden not just acceptable in the the eye of the public it's being spoken at the executive branch level and that's <laughs> that's QAnon, that's proud boy stuff that's yeah. terrifying yeah that's terrifying but i mean i think that's a probably a a, a great leap from you know why gabe uh decided to ditch the movement or not but I think it does speak to how shaky the movement really can be. Okay. Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. they all when they when you're on top, you're you're feeling pretty good about things. But when things sort of have turned around, it's like, oh, yeah, my survival instincts are going to kick in. I yeah. don't need to go to prison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, he so, does say that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so they escape together and start walking through the hillside. Uh, Gabe kind of breaks off to go find to go find a beautiful vista of Mount Hood and ask somebody for a phone so he can call the police. Right. The other two go and see that um, the rest of the skinheads are framing framing them to make it look like they murdered everyone. They were setting up the van and, <clears throat> and putting the bodies in there. And it's Patrick Stewart and, and one of the other guys, uh, Imogene Poots, shoots the one guy. And then, yeah, Patrick Stewart just literally just walks away. And I didn't know I, I, I didn't know how I felt about that. Like there it was, was arrogance. It was, yeah. it was, was it arrogance? Yeah. Okay. I, I think cause he was, he was armed. Um, yeah. but cause I thought it was, yeah, I on. thought he was just scared or just like, I'm he just didn't know what to this. do or, okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Interesting. And, and, I agree. You know, that, I mean, to, to that, at that moment, you know, before, uh, Amber blows away the, 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 the secondary skinhead guy, you know, at that point, they had they were just escapees and he didn't know it's like had, did they have the killer instinct right, right? and uh yeah and she <laughs> did <laughs> she hella did <laughs> yeah so uh you know i think that was and and she gets in my opinion my humble opinion she gets the best line of the movie which is the last line of the movie yeah so they sit down very, after very after after uh killing them then we see they sit down you know they're exhausted we see the dog that has that had escaped that we wondered what was going to happen to walk by them and yep. lay down by his master. Then Anton Yeltsin says, ah, oh, finally, I've got it. And she says, what? And he goes, my desert Island band. And so what does she say, Mike? <laughs> she says, tell somebody who gives a shit. Hard cut. <laughs> Done. Punk band credits. <laughs> Which I thought was great because they had really been dragging that out. And and while I, I would have been furious had they not brought it up again, I thought it was pretty great that they did it and then kind of the subverted. Type, type the, of yeah. Well, and yeah. I, I loved it how it was a reoccurring theme throughout, yeah. throughout the entire film. And even when like at the deepest, the, the craziest, most intense scene in the film uh, the one woman says, oh, nope, it's, it's Simon and Garfunkel. It's, it's definitely totally. Simon and Garfunkel. And then the other guy, uh, I can't, I think I can't remember which character it was. He goes, nope, still misfits. Still misfits. <laughs> still misfits. <laughs> it was Tiger who was still misfits. Tiger, the, yes. The, the, Tiger the, the, was the still misfits. Yep. That's right. So is this movie, here's a daft question because I, I'm not very good at, at subtext and metaphor and all that. Does Is this movie have a, a bigger, deeper meaning that as a person who is just watching it as the story unfolds and missing, like clearly the exorcist isn't just about the exorcist about loss of faith, all of that stuff. Is there something I'm missing here or is this a fairly straightforward story? Well, I'll, I'll say that, you know, the only, this is the only uh, 
the only, it's not a good thing per se, but it's the only thing that I will say about Nazis in a sort of uh, a positive <laughs> way, which is they go on. That's yes. going to be the poll quote for this episode. No, they go on and on and on and kind of always exist, right? And so you could have you could have set this film in the 1980s. Mm. You could have set this film in the 1990s. You could certainly set it uh, today in the present day. And so I I think in in that regard, it's it's you know much like it's know, like a real life of, boogie band. It's like it that's what real in reality yeah, those yeah. are the monsters we should be afraid yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes the horror is is deeply metaphorical or elevated. And then sometimes, you know, the, the, the monster is is very visceral and very real. And I think that's that's the case here. And that's where the real the, the true scares come from. I know, you know, for those people who, you know, don't know Portland and, the you know, the Portland history, I mean, Portland has a, a very unfortunate and dark and rich history of, of neo-Nazis in the city. There are still neo-Nazis in the city. There's a very very famous case in the late uh, 1980s where Ethiopian immigrant was killed over not too far from us in fact my my youngest son I was driving him to Da Vinci Middle School uh, this week and uh, there was a sign that said you know it was a, a reference to Mulugu Surah the Ethiopian mm -hmm. that, was, mm -hmm. that was killed by uh, three Nazi skinheads and he he had asked the question what what is that referring to and I said oh well funny enough uh, I'm watching a movie this week that's directly <laughs> tied to that, and those three Nazi skinheads were very much tied to uh, the punk rock movement, and they used to go down to when when La Luna uh, was the Pine Street Theater again, like going back way back into you know Portland music history. But when La Luna was the Pine Street, they would go see hardcore shows there all the time, and so. Yeah, the history is, it's unfortunate, it's dark, but it's never ending. And mm -hmm, yeah. that's, that's the scare. That is really yeah, the scare. Yeah, that's good. That's a really good point. So here's a question for you, Todd and Mark, uh, since this is Portland at the movies. Yeah. You know, what the, the way that you see, you know, because Portland isn't really represented here, but you do get uh, the Northwest uh, weather in full effect yeah that's uh, true just just damp wet probably shot in march or something like that it was it was it was muddy and yeah. and i think that there that there was some things that they they took advantage of it one it was gloomy but but also the sort of the tone like some of the somber tones that yeah. that 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 the uh certainly the nazis took on um it it sort of it was like this wet blanket yeah. over the over the proceedings. And and I thought, you know, it's like I guess for a movie like this, it was it felt pitch perfect. It, um, it did. And yeah, even the color grading uh of, of the movie itself was desaturated. Desaturated yeah. and it had this uh green hue to it. You it felt like it was moldy yeah. uh, just a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you're like, yeah. I can almost smell this movie and uh, and it did feel like an abandoned place that you would find in in Warrington or you yeah know, or, or Warrington mm -hmm. or, or whatever. Like so, this is just footage you found. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, loose in and Warrington so, that had molded over. I, so I do. I think it 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 felt very Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Uh, like you you get this sense of the dampness and the coldness and the mm -hmm. forest and the uh, you know 
we're in the middle of nowhere. Nobody's going to hear a scream. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you you have a lot of that in in this area. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm sad that Portland proper wasn't represented specifically, yeah. but uh, the the Northwest feel, the tone, the color, the the smell was was absolutely uh, represented well. We did get a cool shot of Astoria. We did. That was beautiful. Yep. Yeah. Cool yeah. Shot of Astoria, yeah. And a cool shot of Mount Hood too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and actually uh, some of the, the coast, you know, they, they did some, some, uh, some drone shots nowadays, but I don't know that they're, you know, the, <laughs> right. but, but you get the, the, the coast, you know, when it was sunny, you know, for, for a brief moment, there was, there was, there was a little bit of sun and, and then, and then, uh, you know, they only had a few days to shoot this thing and they got classic Oregon weather. And it's like, you know what? This it worked. Should, yeah, it was. It, it was a movie that definitely helped because we've seen a lot that like they might not have wanted it to be pouring down rain, but that's what they got that day, and yeah. it, it just it fit the character of this movie very yeah. well. Yeah. Um. Well, before Patrick Stewart did complain about the weather. Oh, did he? he? Well, he's from well, England, was, isn't it? Like this was, all the time. Thing, well, he said it was it was dreadful weather, but it was perfect. <laughs> 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 That's amazing. Uh, so a couple of the uh, in the in the credits, they have all of the music, uh, the music credits that were were in the movie. And so I wrote down a couple of my favorite my favorite punk band names. Uh, so we'll start with a, a, a pretty, pretty normal, which is Patsy's Rats. Then we move <laughs> on to Human Brains, which is wonderfully just <laughs> straightforward and fear, which is nice. And then we get um, Corpus Rotus which I thought was great, who sang who one of the songs, they had several songs on the soundtrack, one of them called Vomit Pool by Corpus Rodis. So that is every parent's nightmare in such a beautiful way. Um, Napalm Death, which, Mark, yeah, you and I know because um, on our other podcast, we have a thing called War of Wikipedia where we just read little tidbits or whatever. And Napalm Death has written the, I believe, the shortest song ever made, which oh, is like... Right a mm-hmm. second and a half and it's just like right. and that's it and so we have featured Nepal death on our show so I was glad to, to have a glorious comeback of them and then my favorite singing sleaze patrol ladies and gentlemen put your hands together for syphilitic lust <laughs> yeah <laughs> we've all been there <laughs> so that was that was really great well no, yeah. Actually, well, before we, we yeah, I was I was going to say in honor of the film, what are what are your uh, what what is your desert island band? Ooh. Mark, uh, uh, it, it's probably Crowded House for me. I'm a definitely <laughs> '80s <laughs> middle of the road guy. Uh, Not Crowded House, core, but '80s. Yeah. Todd and my your, well what my your... what a hundred what is mine Mark? Madonna, <laughs> yeah. Madonna, Madonna. Yeah. Madonna. <laughs> Eric, Eric, what's yours? Rush. Ooh, okay. Rush. Nice. Really? All right, all right. I'm going to Earth, Wind, and Fire. But that's, oh, okay. fantastic! That's, that's me. Nice. That's me. It's a nice um, variety. I, I saw that. Commission the... for all the actors. Who, uh, so we have, uh, in addition to Anton Yelchin, uh, Alia Shawkat, Callum yep. Turner, who plays Tiger, who's the singer, yep. and Joe Cole, who's Reese, the drummer. They all played the instruments. They were actually they were performing, yeah, oh, nice. and they were good too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and they, they they were given, but they only had ten days to learn. They said, "Well, it's simple music, and it's punk. Right. <laughs> that's the you way know, it's but, supposed uh, to sound." Callum Turner had to had to really just let his let his vocal cords rip for this and and uh, so when you're seeing them actually sort of pushing through that's actually them yeah that's really cool on stage performing live wow that's great like, that's really great 
Yeah, and at least in the credits that they, they sang four songs or something like that, and they're like, "The Ain't mm-hmm. Rights played whatever yeah, these songs." <laughs> yeah, the Ain't Rights need need to work on their name, especially if they're billing next to syphilitic <laughs> lust. <laughs> Good grief! Um, uh, you you can get the uh, you can buy the the soundtrack is available up to and including, which I thought was great. They closed the whole film or they they rolled the credits not with. A hardcore punk song Creedence, but with the it? Creedence song uh, Sinister Purpose. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah, they did stick out quite a, quite a bit nice in the touch. in the music section. It's because it, yeah, it goes from Corpus Rotus to Syphilitic Lust to Creedence. <laughs> 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 Who doesn't belong here? <laughs> uh, well, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about your podcast so people can go and enjoy more horror talk uh, with you guys? Uh, our podcast is a. Uh, a sort of a survey podcast where we cover everything from witches, ghosts, zombies, uh, giallo, and every possible sub 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 genre of horror. We do the work, so you don't have to do the work. We give you our top films within that sub 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 genre, telling you the best witch films, the best zombie films, the best ghost films out there. We do reviews and interviews. We cover festivals and a whole hell of a lot more, bringing you content on the regular. Nice. In addition to the podcast, we have uh, check out us on uh, scariestthings.com, one T. Yep. Uh, and uh, we we try and get a, a daily content. We're, I think, currently, according to Feedspot, the number 32 horror blog on the internet. Nice. So, wow! Nice on, for, the, on the planet. On the planet, yeah. yeah. The yeah. internet is beyond the planet. I was going to say, yeah, it's in the universe. Way out. Literally. Yeah, so, anyways, we, you know, I think uh, that's great. Uh, we, we we were fortunate enough to sit next to Portland at the movies at uh, I think um, Wizard World. I think it's Wizard it was. World. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think because of course Brian was doing the his Unipiper gig. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and we went, hey podcast sharing and so this yeah. was you know i think todd reached out yeah five years in the ago. making yeah so so not bad you, you, you guys hit you guys hit me to a horror film that i had never oh, yes. even heard of Ooh, which one uh, which was only available at the time of movie madness defula ah Defula! <gasps> oh wow fantastic. nice that is an amazing never, I never heard of defula you guys hit yeah. me to it when we did the when we did the podcast that's right that's World right we've and, done a couple uh, other uh, have you heard of the uh horror movie um Oh, it was the one with the now I can't remember. Uh, but we've done five or six yeah. six horror movies in okay. the past and uh one of them was put it was the one that was made by stuntmen. So like all of the falls off of it was just just before dawn, it's uh, called. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, was, yeah, yeah. was that's, really good. That's all filmed down near Silver Falls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. And the yeah. the stunts mm-hmm. were yeah. great in that because it was all made by stuntmen. They're like, and here's right, another right, scene right, we're throwing right. ourselves <laughs> down a hill. Yeah. And so check out Defula. It's uh the uh, the world's first uh, American Sign Language only movie. It, it was originally filmed without an audio track. They went in later with ADR dubbed things uh, pretty terribly, and uh, it's uh, it's a, a really great encapsulation of the move of uh, Portland in the seventies. It's all black and white movie, but it's uh, filmed in the seventies. It's yeah. re- really fantastic. It's a wild a wild journey that Defula. So go <laughs> go check it out. Well. Thank you guys for joining us. You guys Thank were the you. perfect guests for this, so I appreciate uh, you guys showing up. Uh, Had a great time. Yes, and um, 
I'm, maybe I'll play that one name-palled death song at the end for our one-second <laughs> outro. So um, you can find us at, at Portland at the Movies and at the Mark and Toddcast, uh, which we also do. So check those out. Uh, follow Brian the Unipiper Kid and all his various adventures. I think he's joining us again. He's he's re-entering the podcast after a little sabbatical at the end of nice. this month. So um, that will be exciting. I'm not sure what movie we'll, ta- we'll, we'll be doing, but um, we do will be Leslie doing Vernon. I think we're I think we're gonna do that next next Halloween because that was a cho- I gave yeah. you the choice if you guys wanted yeah. to watch the the rise of Leslie Vernon no actually I gave Brian the choice so Brian wanted yeah. to to wait for that one so yeah because okay. that is a that that is hundred percent Portland you can you know recognize that they it's filmed in the library nice. uh, they filmed it at what Lardo what it used oh, to yeah. be yeah yeah um, there's a bunch of places you go I know that. I know that. Right. And well, it's a great movie. And if there's any uh, any fans of the the scariest things podcast listening to this show for the first time, you can go to portlandatthemovies.com slash map. And for the last 60, 70 movies, however many we've done on this podcast, I take screenshots of locations and then add them to that pet map. So you can look at Portland and see, oh, what did Burnside and, and you know, Fourth look like in, 19, in Defula or whatever? <laughs> and you can see things. So I won't be adding any any from this, this movie. Maybe I'll, I'll do the Astoria, Astoria there shot. You go. But, A moment um, there ago, you go. I ordered peanuts. That's right. So, Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bro!